This is a 720 to go podcast from Chicago's WGN Radio 720. This podcast is sponsored by ADM. As one of the world's largest agricultural processors, ADM is uniquely positioned to serve the world's growing needs for abundant food and renewable energy. ADM. When it comes to the business of America's farmland, you need the information from the people who know it best. That's why we bring you AgriCast with Orion Samuelson and Max Armstrong. Good morning again, nine minutes after five o'clock, and I'm checking in from my studio in Huntley, Illinois this morning. And uh, for those of you who are in downtown Chicago, uh, greeting the fog again today, no fog out here. As a matter of fact, we can see the sun getting ready to make its appearance, but uh, no fog and 55 degrees on the thermometer outside my house. So uh, that's the weather report and the difference between the lakefront and the suburbs, particularly west and north. I uh, want to start with a bit of good news and then a bit of challenging news this morning before we get to our visit with Jim Fazell. The good news, first of all, Dairy Management Inc. and checkoff partner Pizza Hut joining forces to give away half a million pizzas. And who gets the pizzas? The high school graduating class of 2020. Because of all of the activity that hasn't taken place, the folks at Dairy Management Inc. and uh, Pizza Hut decided they wanted to uh, add to the possible celebration that uh, high school graduates can have. And so 500,000 free pizzas are going to be given away. And uh, I would guess if uh, the... uh, uh, email addresses get so long anymore that if you don't have pencil and paper, you wouldn't be able to take it down. <clears throat> so I would suggest you go on the website of Dairy Management Inc. or Pizza Hut and ask, how do my high school graduates get free pizza? According to Marilyn Hershey, she is a dairy farmer in Pennsylvania and chairperson of Dairy Management, Inc., which manages the National Dairy Checkoff. We are so excited to partner with Pizza Hut to help high school seniors and their families celebrate this special milestone in their lives. So check it out, free pizza for high school graduates, class of 2020. That's the uh, good news to start out the day's broadcast. Then the challenging news is U.S. forecasters expect an above-normal 13 to 19 named storms during the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season. According to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the Climate Prediction Center, the forecasters estimate Three to six major hurricanes packing winds of at least 111 miles per hour. The last two years have seen an above-average number of named storms with 18 last year and 15 in 2018. 
So uh, you have to start worrying about the hurricane season if you're in hurricane country. And really, for the farmers in the Midwest, very often when hurricanes form in the Atlantic, cross the Florida panhandle, and move into the Gulf of Mexico, very often when those hurricanes uh, get into the Gulf and reach the mouth of the Mississippi, they tend to turn north and follow the Mississippi north, which means that uh, sometime in the harvest season, uh, we can get a lot of rain uh, at the time when you don't want it, when you want to roll the combine. So I've given you uh, some of the good news, some of the bad news, and then we'll have to put up with everything else. Like Jim Fazell, who says, hey, you can garden throughout the season. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but apparently that's one of the things happening during the pandemic in the stay-at-home situation. Uh, People are taking up gardening again because in the month of March, the Burpee Seed Company sold more seed in one month than it had in the 144-year history of the Burpee Seed Company. And for those of you who say, what's the Burpee Seed Company? Well, the uh, large number of people in the United States, uh, when winter is winding down and we're getting ready to move into spring in your mailbox, you generally find the Burpee Seed Catalog. And uh, this year, in the month of March, they sold more seed than they have sold in one month in 144 years. So enjoy your gardening and listen to Jim Fazell because he'll be joining us in uh, about a minute or so to talk about gardening on the uh, Saturday morning show. Time to say good morning to Jim Fazell. Jim is our specialist in ornamental horticulture, and I think we've been working together, Jim, for about four decades to uh, share your expertise on ornamentals and lawns and flowers and vegetables and everything else. And it continues to be very educational, my friend. I thank you for that. Well, it's a pleasure to be able to do that, Orion, and to work with you is indeed a pleasure. Uh, Yeah, we've been working together for a lot of years. We've been doing this for, you know, four decades. And I look back to see when we started. We started at the old Tribune Tower doing uh, radio and television programs in 1961. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing because that's a year after I arrived here at WGN. So Exactly. You called us because you were looking for some help from the Extension Service on broadcasting, and there we were. So it's been a really good relationship for, oh, my gosh, that's more, more years than I'd like to think about. But there they are, and you can't fake it. And one of the more unusual weekends for a holiday weekend, my golly, it's going to be different this weekend with the uh, Memorial Day, or as we used to call it, Decoration Day. Right. That's exactly what we called it, and it was always on the 30th of May. That's why we said the planting date was always May 30, but now it swings around depending on the year. So it's a little bit, almost a week early this year. But Memorial Day weekend or or Decoration Day weekend, it's really a strange time this year with no parades or picnics, no family get-togethers. I guess some people are getting together on, on I guess they call them driveway picnics or something like that. But... Strange time of year, strange year. At least the weather's going to get nice for a couple of days, but it just keeps on raining, and it looks like we're going to get get more rain this weekend. 
strange, cool, wet spring. But, you know, it's not really unexpected. Our good friend Greg Solier, who's a genius at this kind of a thing, predicted it months ago. So I've kind of had... had <clears throat> Excuse me. Had it in the back of my mind that we were going to have rather inclement weather this this uh, spring. I didn't think it'd be as cold as it's been. But anyway, there you go. And actually, it has been cold. We're 25 to 40 percent behind on our degree days this year, and that's a lot. I went over and crossed the street and took a look at my friendly catalpa tree over there. The flower, the, the leaves out there are now the size of my thumbnail. We normally say you don't want to plant until they're the size of your hand. It's going to be some time before that, and we can't wait to plant. It's time. We need to get out and do it, even though there's a slight chance of some frost uh, in the future. Or for the next couple of days, we still need to get out and do some things about getting the getting the plants in the ground if we can. But a lot of I people was, are uh, having problems with flooding. I was surprised at your rain gauge total. How how many inches this past week? <clears throat> Excuse me. We got nine inches of rain this past week, following the eight inches that we got in April. Uh, that that's more than we really need. That's uh, a half a year's water actually in about in about four or five weeks, six weeks. Um, a lot of people have had flooding. I know along the Des Plaines River, we have some friends that live up in the Big Bend area. Haven't been up to see their situation there, but there are a lot of other areas throughout uh, uh, Chicagoland, throughout a good part of Illinois, where people have had flooding. And one of the things that happens when you have flooding is a lot of stuff gets in your garden. This is trash. Things that float in or, or, or flooded in, you really need to get that out of the garden before you do anything else. As soon as it's dry enough that you can get out there and walk without really mucking things up, get the trash out of there. Then, you know, we have a lot of things that get in besides just trash. One of the things that we have that floats around is the is the motor oil and other chemicals that seem to come from nowhere, but there they are. We can see the glistening on top of the garden when the water begins to go down. We know that's oil. What do you do about it? Well, one of the things you can do about it is, is to mix that stuff in with good soil because, amazingly enough, nature provides the organisms, the soil organisms, that will decompose that stuff if you give them a chance. Mix the soil up uh, so that the contaminated soil is mixed up with good soil. And one of the things you can do then is to apply nitrogen fertilizer to fertilize the bacteria. They need some help. Uh, if you're a little bit worried about what the contaminants are, there are tests that can be run. And if any of you folks are, are concerned about the fact you might have uh, something poisonous in your soil that needs to be checked, if you have any idea what that is, uh, we can give you the names of some laboratories that will do the testing on that. They even test for things like lead to make sure that your soil is free to, or is safe to plant in. So that's one way that we can make sure the soil is okay. Uh, then after you have it turned over, if you're not going to garden, in it immediately or if you feel a little bit worried about that seed with a cover crop i like to use annual rye grass something that will grow very quickly and will begin to break up the soil add organic material pick up some of these contaminants and so forth when the cover crop has grown uh, the soil should be pretty well contaminated and you can dig this stuff back in again that uh, gives you uh, organic matter which is beneficial and it will actually allow organisms that are in the soil to begin to break down some of these chemicals while they break down that organic matter itself. Uh, and there's plenty of time to plant gardens, uh, even though we have a slight chance of frost. Um, we really don't need to get the gardens planted till somewhere 
into June, especially this year when things have been been pretty late, as cool as it is. No sense in planting in in uh, in wet soils because uh, even though it's inconvenient, soils are cold. And if you plant in a cold soil, even though this weekend's going to warm up a bit, soil temperatures have been low. If you plant in in cold soil or wet soil, plants aren't aren't going to grow. Uh, If people have already been able to plant, we we know that there's been a lot of trouble with seed germination, vegetables and flowers both, uh, because of the cold soils. And also because the seeds begin to rot off, up. Right off if they just don't come up before they before they uh, have too much water. So you may need to do some reseeding. And I know some of the farm fields that I've driven by where the plants are not up, a little worried about some of those fields that have been underwater, that the seed may not germinate and there are going to be bare areas, bare areas out there so that when those areas do dry up, farmers are going to have to get out and, and replant them or just put up with the fact that they do have some areas where there's nothing growing. Also with transplants, transplants may even be wilting right now, even though the ground is wet. People think the only plants only wilt when they're dry. No, if the roots are anaerobic, they're not working, and the tops are going to wilt while the roots are soaked. Sometimes the plants will turn purple, uh, yellow, and so forth. That means they're not picking up the nutrients in the soil, the iron and the phosphate. So the soil needs to dry out and to oxygenize. Is that a word, oxygenize? You just made it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, there are a lot of things that we need to be concerned with when the soils are as wet as they are, plants rotting off at the base. Uh, Slime mold fungi fungi will rot those things off uh, cultivate around them to aerate the soil if you can. And then in extreme places... Uh, cases we suggest applying things like terrachlor or something like that, soil fungicide that will slow down those organisms. Anyway, wait till the soil dries out before you work it. it squeeze a handful into a bowl, a ball, crumble it. If it crumbles, it's dry enough. If it doesn't crumble, wait for a while. Now, if you have areas that are always wet, you might need to consider improving the drainage, maybe even raised beds that we talked about. Um, and again, we may need to do some replanting. Uh, incidentally, one thing I ran into this this week, I was out looking at the garden to see how much damage the the uh, water had done. I started to notice particularly hostas and some of our other large leaf plants where the leaves are actually um, silvery colored, and it took me a while to figure out what's going on. These are plants that were injured by the frost that we had right after Mother's Day. You know, we had freezing temperatures, and a lot of plants survived that, but plants that that uh, we kind of expected would go through that thing without, tr- without trouble have been damaged. So if you're seeing uh, frosted leaves on your hosta plants, uh, don't worry about it. The plant will continue to grow from the crown that's down in the middle. So there's a lot of stuff happening right now. And, you know, next week we're going to talk more about wet weather problems because they're going to continue. We'll talk about trees and turf. And uh, last of all, be sure you fly your flag on Monday. Come on, let's support our vets, even though we can't really have a big holiday. Let's do what we can, put the flag up, and be thankful that the vets have made this country what it is for us right now. And we can still, thanks to them, put up with the rain and the coolness and the frost and all that other activity in the gardening. But, you know, one of the things that has been discussed, and incidentally, I hear you're going to be joining Dean Richards uh, on Sunday morning. That's what I hear, yes. We'll be there at uh, 11 o'clock, I think. We're going to talk to Dean for an hour or so. So if uh, any of our listeners have more gardening questions, uh, the Dean Richards Show on Sunday morning 
is where you'll hear uh, from Jim as well. The uh, question that I keep getting is, how late can I plant a garden? If we are going to have frost problems or whatever, how late can I plant? Well, you know, there's not a big limit on how late you can plant. It depends on what you're growing. But things like tomatoes, I've planted tomatoes the 1st of July and gotten tomatoes uh, by fall without any problem. Uh, Beans come in very quickly. If you can't plant until the 1st of July, beans are one of some of the things you would want to grow, Uh, especially bush beans. Tall, tall growing pole beans might take a little bit longer, but even they can be grown. Now, there's another thing you have to remember. By the end of July, we're thinking about replanting the garden for a fall crop. So at the end of July, there's some things that can be put in that will make crops before the, the freeze up in fall. We don't need to be in a big hurry. If it's, if it's too wet to plant right now, don't force things. Wait until it dries out, as I mentioned. Take a handful of soil and crumble it. If it won't crumble, don't plant. Wait for another few days and, and until it will the soil ball will crumble. Then you go ahead and plant. Um, our long-range forecast says that we're going to have along uh, the Route 57 divide through the state of Illinois increasingly dry, increasingly drier as you head west and as you head east from there increasingly wet. So it's not going to stay this way forever. Things are going to dry out. Temperatures are going to warm up. We're going to have summer. Maybe we'll be out visiting each other visiting in the garden and so forth. We don't know about that, but we do know that there's plenty of time to plant, so you don't want to kill the season before it gets started. So slow down, take it easy, and enjoy life. And uh, we always enjoy chatting with you, Jim, and uh, we look forward to hearing you on the Dean Richards Show tomorrow, and then you'll be back with us next week. That's right. Look forward to it. Jim Fazell, our specialist in ornamental horticulture here on the Saturday Morning Show. Well, it happened this week. I got my first cancellation of a county fair in Illinois. The Ogle County Fair at Oregon, Illinois, uh, voted to uh, not hold a county fair this year. So they're already making plans for the county fair in 2021. And as the president of the fair board said, uh, we're going to make that one the best one that we've ever done. And, you know, I think the Ogle County Fair has been going or would have been going something like 153 years, I think I recall, along with that announcement that I received from a good friend, Stan Eden, who has been a part of Illinois Extension forever, it seems. And uh, he is the one who passed along the information information but uh, I would guess we're getting more and so the uh, 4-H program coordinator for Illinois Jody Baumgartner uh, says to the uh, 4-H club members this does not mean we are canceling the 4-H activities and we will know by June 1st if we will be having an in-person 4-H fair or a virtual 4-H fair. Some of the county fairs across the country have already, uh, end of the season, have done a virtual county fair, which is pretty unusual. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. But we're at the halfway mark here on the Saturday morning show on Chicago's very own WGN Radio Chicago. And it's time for Samuelson Says... I'm Orion with my thoughts for this week, 
and letting you know that spring has not been canceled. In these days, with all of the negative news coming across radio, television, newspapers, emails, or whatever, it's easy to get discouraged. And yet, every week I look for something to share with you that will encourage you to do what you're doing in the food production system. Because despite the weather challenges, the market challenges, the trade agreement challenges, farmers still have to produce their products. That's why I would like to share with you a story that came across my computer this past week, headlined, New York Apple Farmer, Hope Has Not Been Cancelled. A family apple farm in New York is reminding America that farmers are still out there growing essential food, fiber, and fuel. Chip and Carla Bailey produced a video at their Casey Bailey Orchard in Williamson, New York, with a simple message. It said, hope has not been canceled. And it went on to say, because of COVID-19, a lot of things have been shut down and canceled across America. But according to apple grower Chip Bailey, but on the farm, springtime is not canceled. The video features the family hard at work, at pruning, fertilizing, and planting trees to get ready for the spring and summer growing season. It is challenging, but keep your chin up and keep looking for positive things happening in everyday life, according to the apple growers in New York. So I would leave you today with a saying that has been on my office wall for decades, and I see it every day. And that says, quote, this is the beginning of a new day. I have been given this day. God has given me this day to use as I will. I can waste it or use it for good. But what I do today is important because I am exchanging a day of my life for it. So, Thank you, farmers, for dealing with everything you're challenged with to produce food for our dinner table. My thoughts on Samuelson Says, a presentation of Next Star Media Group at uh, 26 minutes before 6 o'clock here on the uh, get-together that happens every week between 5 and 6 a.m. on Saturday, and we always look forward to talking about our most basic industry, food production and agriculture, and uh, hopefully enlightening you uh, if you didn't grow up on a farm or have not been involved in farming operations, what it's all about, the fact that you can't cancel spring or you can't cancel the growing season because Mother Nature says it's going to happen. We're going to uh, check in and take a look at the week's agricultural market activity uh, when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. During this unusual time with the pandemic and uh, what's been happening in the broadcasting industry, uh, with a lot of us working from our home studios and not making the trip into downtown Chicago. I happen to be one of them. But uh, somebody's got to be there. And uh, our fellow farm broadcaster who we've worked with for many years, Mike Pearson, who is closer to the 
official studios for us, uh, joins us here on Saturday morning to talk about markets and about some of the other factors involving agriculture and affecting agriculture during this pandemic. So right now, let's uh, see what he's working on. Uh, So we look over his shoulder and uh, listen to Mike Pearson. We've got to dig into these markets, and to help us make sense of everything, we've got Joe Camp, who is the manager of AgriVisor out in Bloomington, Illinois. Joe, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Glad to join you. I think right off the bat, we've got to talk about the planting progress broadly. When we look across the Corn Belt, USDA said as of last Sunday, we were 80% planted. When you look ahead to this next week, how how much of an advance do you expect to see in planted acres? We really have to dive into those numbers and look at the individual states to get the fullest picture of planning progress for the country. Because you look at a number like 80% for corn as of last Sunday, and that's a rapid pace. Relatively speaking, we know about an easy start for many producers across the Midwest, particularly in states like Iowa, also in states like uh, our own here in Illinois. But we can start to get outside of these I states and outside of the South, which generally speaking had an okay planting season, a little bit uh, difficult to start with a wet early growing season. Uh, but let's keep in mind, of course, for what's gone well for some is a trouble spot still for others. Uh, Northern Plains, the upper Midwest, North Dakota, Minnesota. We could also talk about cold, wet conditions that are still persistent in the Eastern Belt too. So it's split board. For now, mostly good progress. Joe, when do you think the trade is going to kind of write off those acres in North Dakota? we got 3.8 million acres up there. Of those, 20% are planted. Similar story in the northeast corner of South Dakota, northwest Minnesota facing similar issues. Does the trade start to write those acres off, that 97 million uh, acre planting intentions? Yeah, some of that penciling already being done right now to suggest that overall corn acres could be reduced by about 3 million from earlier projection. The current government uh, prediction about 97 million for corn acres. We could see corn acres drop at the expense of soybeans. If we uh, have a tougher time getting corn in, we'll still look at later plantings for the oil seed, thinking that the price spread still relatively supports planting beans. And so we should get that shift maybe about two to three million acres away from corn and over into soybeans as it stands now. We'll see about weather here on out. Well, that's on the supply side. On the demand side, I was back in Iowa. That state is pretty well open. Had the chance to get a haircut. Felt like a new man. But I tell you, folks are getting out and about. Are we starting to see a drawdown in gasoline supplies? Is the ethanol picture starting to look a little more bright as you look ahead into the future? So important for the grain markets when we talk about that domestic source of demand and ethanol. And it's been the Achilles heel for the market for some time, given that we are talking about falling oil prices, even negative oil futures, of course, uh, not long ago, putting pressure on ethanol production at 1.50% reduced was ethanol production here in the U.S. But for the past four weeks, we've been ramping up that production and seeing inventories come down. As you allude to, uh, we have consumers driving again, the the economy reopening, but also it warming up and producers, consumers, everybody wanting to get out. Joe, talking about soybeans there, we have not seen the surge in exports that a lot of folks were anticipating as phase one of this Chinese deal was signed. Where do you see the bean export market headed here in the near term? 
very far behind our sales to China relative to that phase one trade deal that was put into place earlier this year. And so we're revisiting that. Right now, the major topic of markets, I would say this morning, being that President Trump is challenging the Chinese on trade, still related to coronavirus and, and issues uh, with recent response and the back and forth nature of the two presidents, Trump and Xi. Uh, still some strife there that we're seeing play itself out in markets. But we have this taste of Chinese buying, so there's still that possibility if we can iron out the relationship that we do see an increase in soybean purchases because China certainly could start to ramp up uh, if they are uh, going to make that effort to fulfill those promises. Now, Joe, we have certainly seen some Chinese buying on the pork side. Before we get into livestock, I want to pick your brain. Midweek last week, we saw the wheat market go nuts. We had a 15-cent rally, one of the biggest moves to the upside since uh, mid-March. What happened in Chicago wheat? So you're talking about a confluence of factors with one, will they, won't they, as we always get this year on Black Sea exports and whether or not they're going to be restricted because of the governments there, mostly Russia, we're talking about wanting to protect the economy against domestic food price inflation. So that's one. They put the export restrictions on. That turns out to be not that friendly of a market influence. What's maybe more so friendly uh, were the weather conditions, first drying conditions in Europe and the same thing in the plains. What we saw, though, after that rally was a quick reduction in premium uh, that uh, followed those rains in Kansas and in Oklahoma here recently. So still got to watch that wheat market. Think we can do more trading and possibly into China uh, to relate back to that very important export question. Well, now, as we look at demand, uh, we have seen some pretty crazy volatility when it comes to the livestock markets, cattle market in particular. We are currently trading the futures 22 to $25 anywhere under the cash trade in the June contract. When do you see that convergence starting to happen? So big dislocations, that's been the theme when we talk about volatility in, in the meat markets. In the pork market, we can talk about an inability of supply to get to the consumer, unfortunately, at the same time when export demand is ramping up into China. And that's why, even though we might not be shipping the whole beans, we've been processing them at a very good clip. On the cattle side, we're looking at that big spread between the futures and the cash markets because of still an existing dislocation, uh, the processing capacity down, still a coronavirus impact. We think those two markets converge, but part of it will have to be some confidence returning into producers wanting to use those features as a hedge. Get that confidence returning. That is the story in everything. Joe Camp, manager of AgriVisor, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks so much, Mike. And our thanks to Joe Camp and to uh, Mike for being with us to take a look at market activity. Incidentally, this is a weekend that frightens, I shouldn't say frightens, but concerns traders because it's a uh, four-day weekend, which means that with the world changing as quickly as it does, a lot can happen until the markets reopen on Tuesday morning. There'll be no markets in the United States that uh, concerns agriculture on Monday because of Memorial Day. And so it'll be Tuesday morning before traders can uh, react to whatever happens during this three-day period. The uh, 
weekly crop report will be delayed by a week or by a day also. Normally that reaches my computer on Monday afternoon, but next week it'll be Tuesday afternoon before we get to see the latest planting numbers. Pretty impressive so far because this past Monday the Department of Agriculture reported uh, corn acres planted 80% as of last Sunday, with Illinois showing 83% planted, Indiana 72% planted, Iowa with eighty or with ninety six percent of their corn acres planted, and Wisconsin, our neighbors to the north, had planted eighty one percent of the corn acres. Soybean planted acreage nationally fifty three percent of the soybean acres planted by last Sunday night. Illinois with fifty nine percent, Indiana fifty six percent, but Iowa eighty six percent, and Wisconsin farmers who grow soybeans, had planted 61% of the soybean acreage in America's dairy land. Oh, speaking of dairy land also, uh, normally we would uh, head for Harvard, Illinois a weekend from now because the uh, Harvard Milk Days uh, normally held uh, the first weekend of June Dairy Month. Not this year. Because of the pandemic again, the uh, folks at Harvard, Illinois, have postponed Harvard Milk Days to October 16, 17, and 18. I repeat, no June Dairy Month salute from the dairy farmers in McHenry County on uh, the first weekend of June. Instead, Harvard Milk Days postponed until October 16, 17, and 18, so you can make note of that. We're going to uh, get an update on crop progress firsthand as Max Armstrong checks in with us here uh, shortly, but uh, I do want to get back to uh, the fact that the Ogle County Fair announced this week It will not hold a county fair as we know a normal county fair uh, this year. And uh, so they're already making plans for the uh, 2021 Ogle County Fair. But uh, as a follow-up to that uh, word that I got from Stan Eden, again, let me go back to the letter that Jody Baumgartner, who is the 4-H program coordinator for Illinois, sent out to talk about the county fair season. And uh, she said, please remember that this does not mean we are canceling the 4-H fair. And we will know by June 1st if we will be having an in-person 4-H fair or a virtual 4-H fair. And we will share more details once the decision has been made. We are working hard to ensure that anyone who wants to exhibit will be able to exhibit. So uh, Jody goes on to say to the 4-H members in the state, please keep working on your 4-H projects following the rules and guidelines provided in the uh, fair book. The fair book can be found online, and if you have any questions, get in touch with your 4-H club leader 
or with somebody from the U of I extension to get questions answered and any additional information. That from Jody Baumgartner, 4-H Program Coordinator, the University of Illinois Extension. And so keep that in mind. But as I've said quite a few times, the county fair or the state fair this year if one is held in your county, uh, could look a lot different than a uh, county fair that we're accustomed to. But the county fair is the Super Bowl season or the World Series season for 4-H club members, as well as FFA members to show off the projects they've been working on uh, throughout the 4-H year. But again, I'm sure we'll get quite a few more of these. There will not be an Ogle County Fair in Oregon, Illinois this week. We're going to check in with uh, Max Armstrong and his guests to get that report on crop progress in our part of the Midwest. So stay with us. We'll get to Max when we continue here on the Saturday morning show. Eight minutes before six o'clock here on WGN Radio. And let's say good morning to Max Armstrong. For our weekend report out from the field here in the Midwest, we check in with Jody Bow, technical service representative for BASF, who helps us keep an eye on the crops out there. I think you're spending a little time in southern Wisconsin today, Jody, from what you had indicated. Did the heavy rains get that far north this week? They weren't as bad as northern Illinois, were they? They weren't as bad as northern Illinois, but we still did get quite a bit of rain. Um, It kind of tapered off as you got farther north, but it seemed like southern Wisconsin has been pretty wet, and then northern Wisconsin has been fairly dry. So that big soaker last weekend was really a godsend for those folks up there. Um, But... You know, we're still getting a little bit of rain here and there. Um, It's been cloudy and cool, and we're still waiting for some of the crops to come up after they've been planted. You know what is interesting is to compare the planting progress with Memorial Day last year. Last year on Memorial Day, we had only about half of the United States corn crop planted and only about a fourth of the soybeans. Now, the uh, Memorial Day weekend, of course, is early this year, but the progress overall has been much better, even though some will be replanting, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, even though folks are replanting, I think they're, they were happy to be out in the field in the first place to be able to get that first chance to go around. Um, I know for us, it was really difficult to get some of our plots in, um, just for showcase-wise. Um, and this year, we've been able to get in so much easier or so much earlier. And it's been it's just been kind of a relief on our minds to be in there. And I think it's the same case for farmers um, this year as well. Those plots allow you to demonstrate to growers what the BASF products will do. How many plots do you oversee over the course of a season? Do you Have you counted them up? Oh, I don't think plot by plot. Um, but, for instance, like one of the things that we're doing this summer is we've got three different showcase um, kind of demonstrations. And we've got one near DeKalb, Illinois, one near Janesville, Illinois, and then one near Eau Claire. And then we're doing a bunch more um, large-scale on-farm demonstrations um, with our new fungicide, Revisol, so Veltima and Revitech, and then also with some Liberty herbicide. So we've got a lot of things going on to really demonstrate at a large scale how these products work so folks can come in and get get a look at it before they use them on their farms. This is the second season for Veltima and Revitech, is it not? I think there were some on-farm plots last year. 
There were some on-farm plots last year. Yeah, so we, we kind of got a light registration, so it wasn't for sale last summer, but we were able to come out um, and demonstrate on a large scale um, Veltima and Revitech um, and corn and soybeans respectively. So this is our first year that it's available for sale for folks to come and use um, whole field-wise, and we're really excited about the technology, and we're really looking forward to getting the results from our second year of large on-scale demonstrations. How big are the weeds getting thus far? Not much growth uh, to this point, is there? Um, you know, it really depends. There's some winter annuals that are pretty big. So, for example, small flower buttercup, um, some of the mustards, they're getting pretty big, you know, at the flowering stage. Um, but what we really need to be concerned about are things like giant ragweed and water hemp and red root pigweed. Some of the things that maybe they're not getting so big because it's been cool and cloudy, but as soon as they get some light and heat on them, they are going to explode. Um, so, for example, down at the DeKalb site or near DeKalb, Illinois, um, I've been watching the giant ragweed there. And over the past month, it's gone from cotyledon stage to two to four leaf stage. And even though it's kind of short right now and it doesn't really look that big, now is the perfect time to go out there and spray um, and get those taken care of so they don't get any bigger. I mean, we're trying to worry about them in a post-pass. So, um like I said, a lot of the winter annuals are pretty big at the moment um, if they haven't already received a burn down. Um, but some of the summer annuals that we continually work with and um, try to control, they're small at the moment. But as soon as they get some more sun and heat, they're going to take off. You mentioned buttercup. And that's something that you look at it from a distance. You think, oh, my, that looks so pretty. And yet I hate it so much. <laughs> I just I've, I've learned to dislike it in my life. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's funny, like as... Um, when you're spraying small plots like we do, sometimes when it gets really big, it kind of like when you're walking through and spraying a trial, it'll wrap around your boom. And it's just the, <laughs> the bane of my existence sometimes. So it's, it's a small thing, but it's, it's a funny looking thing and um, sometimes difficult to, to spray with. We appreciate the chance to visit with you again this weekend. We'll try it again in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much, Jody. Sounds great. Thank you, Max. Jody Bowe, Technical Service Representative for BASF. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Bob Ferguson, our engineer who twirls the dials in the right way. And uh, again, if you're going into the country on this Memorial Day weekend, drive carefully. Farmers are still working and there'll still probably be slow-moving farm equipment on those rural roads and highways. So be careful and enjoy the Memorial Day weekend. That's our time here on the Saturday Morning Show. Orion Samuelson keeps you connected to the world of business and agriculture on WGN. Hear his reports weekday mornings on the Steve Cochran Show and during the noon hour on the Wintrust Business Lunch. Plus, catch Orion and Max on Saturday mornings at 5 a.m. only on Chicago's WGN Radio 720.